Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Welcome to the show, Chris Graham, Rod Mullins. The Daytona 500 finally ended, so we can talk about it now here on the show. The uh, first race of the 2023 season and went to overtime, a couple overtimes, I guess. Longest Daytona 500 in history. Ricky Stenhouse, the unlikely winner. Uh, so many things to jump into here, Rod. What a what a race. What a what a good show at the end, especially for for fans. Yeah, for the fans, it was a great show, especially uh, all the carnage that happened with uh, the cars and trying to shuffle and get into position. I mean, it took out some of the great drivers, too, that were in contention. I mean, Kyle Busch had a chance to pro probably win his first Daytona 500, and then he gets knocked out of the race, uh, gets slammed into the wall, and then back around again. Uh, you had Denny Hamlin, who was shooting for his fourth Daytona 500. It didn't happen because somebody knocked him out in the long run. We had a lot of drivers go out of this, and those that survived – you know, some of them were surprises looking down the standings and looking down, you know, the finishing order as to the way things went. You know, one of the things I guess that jumped out at me so much was after I looked at everything and found out that Travis Pastrana, yeah, the motocross driver, he went and finished in 11th place. I would have never thought that happening to him whatsoever, but it ended up, you know, he ended up finishing in a great, in a great race overall. Uh, but, you know, you had so many other different drivers in this race that, um, you know, you were looking for big things out of. I think Kevin Harvick was looking for a big win out of this to kind of culminate his time that he's been in the Cup Series. This was his last Daytona 500. Uh, you also had Martin Truex, who felt like, you know, everything was on his side for this race. It was the 19th of February. He had car number 19. You know, I think this was like his 19th time or something like that running, uh, something in that number of uh, running the Daytona 500. And, you know, for a while there, it was close. It looked like he was going to, you know, be in contention for it, but it just didn't happen. So there was so much going on in this race. At one point, uh, we saw a lot of teamwork by the cars. Chevrolet, Ford, Toyota, they all pitted at different times, pitted together sometimes. Um, I think probably the big news to talk about is Jimmy Johnson. And Jimmy Johnson came back. Um, he's not rusty. That's one thing's for sure. He's not rusty when it comes to driving. You know, he at one point, he had a top 10 finish before he got knocked out of it there in the melee there toward the end. And uh, the winner... Um... Coming off of, uh, you know, Ricky Stenhouse, his last wins were in 2017. He'd had a bumpy road uh, literally since then. Uh, and and winning for J, JDG, JTG Doherty Racing, a one-car team, um, there's a lot to that there. It's a, I guess it's, a, you know, the super teams obviously have advantages right. uh, the, with being able to you know, share resources and that kind of thing. But and that's what makes it hard for one-car one, uh, teams to win. But he goes out there and pulls this off for his team. Yeah, and he's got Hendrick Power under his hood, too. I mean, he had Hendrick Power uh, there as well as, you know, Chase Elliott and then also Alex Bowman, uh, Kyle Larson out of that, and William Byron. And those guys didn't end up with good finishes whatsoever yesterday. I mean, it was, you know, they were non-existent really looking at the top 10. But you come out of there with a Hendrick motor that survives Daytona, and that was a great plus for Ricky, Ricky Stenhouse. Another thing is, 
they've been struggling with uh, sponsorship here for years. They've been able to get Kroger on there. What a big shot in the arm for Kroger this was. I mean, this kind of reestablishes Kroger more so as a national chain, I guess, more so than just a regional chain that we see. And, you know, I used to remember the offices, at least at one point, the offices were in Cincinnati, Ohio. So they were kind of a middle Atlantic, uh, mid-Atlantic sort of uh, company, but now they've kind of expanded a little bit more. Another big uh, shot in the arm for them. Except I've got to say this, the NASCAR writer who put together the article last night, the finishing article, um, he said, he quoted Ricky Stenhouse as saying, you know, this car, the Kroger Continental car. Well, he was wrong on that. We need to make a correction for that. It was the Cottonelle. There's a big difference with Continental and Cottonelle tissue. They were one of the sponsors on the team uh, as well. But I think this is a big shot in the arm for Brad Daughtery. Uh, I mean, you know, the only black park car, car owner in this whole thing, and he wins a Daytona 500. That's something Michael Jordan can't even say at this point. I mean, he's won a race. He's won a couple of races, but he's not won the Daytona 500. So, you know, Brad's kind of looking back at him right now and saying, now it's time for you to catch up with us, fella. Let's see what you can do. And Brad Doherty is not a guy like Michael Jordan and some other guys who've gotten into uh, racing with their money more than anything else. Doherty, he's he's a he's a legit guy. He has been for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, you know, he's not just a guy posing or or trying to do something here. I mean, he's been involved for you know, he was what in drag racing there for a long yep. time. He's been in 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 uh, stock car racing and at the NASCAR level for for years. Uh he's been an analyst on ESPN races. Yeah. So this is a legit guy, a uh, part of a team here. This isn't just a celebrity lending his name and some of his money. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, you know, he's got a presence in the in the infield, too. When he's at races and he's there at a race, he's got a presence that, you know, a lot of people just walk up to him and he's able to talk to him and he's able to have just a great conversation with them, unlike some of the other owners and car owners and stuff that are there present in the infield. I think another one of those that you really have to brag on, too, is Richard Childress. Richard Childress is just a good old boy. I can't say enough about him. Um, had a chance to meet him during a uh, question and answer session out at Bass Pro Shops at Bristol prior to the Bristol race uh, several years ago. He's just a down-to-earth guy, but you know he he means what he says when he gets out there. I mean, this is the guy that decked Kyle Busch and even had the nerve to go and bring him back on his race team so he could go and race this year for uh, Richard Childress Racing. So I really have to give him credit, too. I mean, there's so many unique owners that's set up in this whole process. I mean, we talk a lot about the Roush Fenway and Keselowski racing team. And, you know, they had a great showing yesterday too, because, you know, they actually put Chris Busher in fourth. And then, uh, you know, if things had worked out, it could have been a little bit better for um, Brad Keselowski. Uh, you know, he, they even won one of the stage races yesterday and things were looking up for the uh, RFK team. Um, Joe Gibbs racing. I uh, thought things were looking better for the Toyotas in general, and they are primarily the Toyota uh, teams that are running, but you know, they still, there's, there's just a problem there. There's something that hasn't gelled together yet. So I don't know what we're going to see with this, but you see with car owners and, you know, sponsors and different things like that, there seems to be a return coming back to this. And I think it's a great push for JTG. That's a husband and wife owned, you know, with Brad Daughtery. And then you've got the team itself that gets their sponsorship out of Kroger and so forth. And then they kind of do a, um, I would sort of call it a co-op 
sort of thing. They kind of run some sponsorship on there. You know, they'll run the the name of the store on there, but they'll run something else. They may run Sunny D or somebody else one time. They may run some other sponsors on there that are affiliated with groceries. But yeah, he's he's just a down to earth guy, and, and what he says goes. What he says, he means business on too. Yeah, you know, um, among the winners, uh, the the unlikely winners. I was just looking at a list of the uh, uh, Daytona 500 winners. For the most part, it's it's names you've heard of, yeah. and certainly there are a lot of big names who've not won this race or or struggle to get their win when they finally get one down, you know, towards the end of a career. But on the list of unlikely winners, um, uh, um. Stenhouse might be there. Uh, you know, he kind of reminded me of Michael McDowell. I wanted to check that. Right. It was two years ago, 2021. Um, similar kind of things, you know, small team, you know, struggling kind of team. You get a big win early in the season. How does that define your season? I don't think McDowell did too well in 2021. How do you think that this this could could work for Stenhouse in terms of jumpstarting his 2023? Uh, it's a big shot in the arm. It's just like everything else that I'd mentioned before about the sponsorship and with the car team, uh, everything like that. This is a big shot in the arm. I think one of the things that kind of told me that there was going to be a difference in the race was somebody on the race team had wrote in the upper, I guess the upper part of the, uh, the car on the inside where Ricky could see it during the course of the race or before the race even started, we believe, and that kind of stuck with that team and their crew chief, you know, he believed in Stenhouse all along. He had just been with him from the get-go when he said, this team is going to do something. And they waited, of course, till Daytona. Now, there's always the big thing that happens, the the kind of back uh, trip back to reality, so to speak, after Daytona. I mean, some people will go and they will race really well at Daytona and then the bottom fall out of the season. And then they're trying to recoup about midway through the season to try to make a run at least of respectability for the rest of the season. Stenhouse and them have been in some races all through 2022. And it was just a matter of having all the right parts and having everything in the right place for him. He's a heck of a driver. Uh, you know, Jack Roush is probably at one point kind of kicking himself because he didn't win any races when he was with Roush Fenway racing. And then, you know, that was four years ago, they let him go. And then he went to JTG and then once he did that, he started showing some signs in there. Won a couple of races, too. He's won some uh, restrictor plate races, if you want to call it that. Talladega has been one of his strong points. He won a couple. I think he won maybe one, I think, with uh, Roush Fenway before he left. But, yeah, still, it's it's a big jump for you. It's a big shot in the arm for you. I just hope we don't see a, a kind of a fall back to earth sort of thing uh, in the coming weeks, uh, for this team, because they really needed this. I think they needed this as well as some of the other teams that, uh, really needed a shot in the arm of showing that independentness, that one car team sort of thing out there that we belong just as much as these two, three, four car teams that are out there. We belong just the same as they do. You know, I was looking for TV ratings uh, for last night and they're still not out yet with the weekend. There's a lot to, for the Nielsen people to sort through, but I would imagine that the fact that the race went long, uh, the longest race in Daytona 500 history, it went to a couple of overtimes. And because those overtimes took a while too to sort out with, you know, clearing the track of the, of the debris, um, it was, it felt like it was after seven o'clock. It was definitely dark on yeah. the East Coast when that thing was wrapping up. That's only going to be good for ratings, but also, you know, just in, in, in general, the fact that it ended the way it did for the casual viewers who might have been tuning in to see, hey, I wonder how this is going to end up. Uh, might have kept them for a while, 
this might be the kind of thing that's really good for NASCAR, even though I, I know a racing peer is going to say, oh, man, all the, the, you know, all the crashes at the end and everything else. But for NASCAR, this might have, ended up turning out to be a, a good thing. Yeah, I think so. With this 75th anniversary, uh, the big deal that they made over that, and then, like you said, with this uh, ending of the race coming into what's considered Sunday on primetime and stuff going into the 7 o'clock hour, uh, I think a lot of people maybe got just that little bit of a um, – how can I put it? You know, the snowstorm that started that really got everything going for motorsports coverage back, what, late 70s, early 80s, something like that. This could have been the shot in the arm for them right there of people being interested because, you know, I mean, you're still going to have a lot of detractors that are going to say that, you know, racing's not my thing. I don't like to watch, you know, cars going around at 100 or 150 miles an hour in a fishbowl. I don't want to see that stuff, but you know, that is what makes it exciting. It's not just the speed and everything else. It's the jockeying for position. It's the, you know, setup of your car, trying to get something set up, being against the clock, like what Bubba Wallace was when that uh, toe in had uh, kind of gave way on the rear part of his, um, his Toyota, and they had a chance to replace it. And then Daggone, if he wasn't contending in the top 10 there before the big melee hit right there at the very end came from, you know, really in the back. So, uh, you know, this is the thing that kind of keeps that uh, promotional thing out there about NASCAR and saying, hey, look, uh, what's NASCAR going to do? Are they going to turn around and run some more late races? Well, next week they're going to be in California. They are running at Auto Club Speedway. It's going to be the last race on that two and a half mile track that they've got out there before they shorten it so um, this could be another good ratings uh, boost for nascar they'll have a chance to maybe see this and see the california race good market for you know california things did well with the uh, bush clash that was out there in the coliseum let's see what it does this time around in fontana when they race there at the auto club speedway any other uh drivers teams have um uh, notable races on on sunday uh, in daytona that you want to highlight yeah, uh, there was one thing that a uh, couple of them, Riley Herbst, he got in there. He had some trouble early on. He's in the Ford team, Rick Ware Racing. That's another one of those small teams. He finished in the top 10, which I thought, you know, he did really good. His starting position was 38th. And through the attrition and everything, he made it all the way up to 10th. You know, I mentioned Travis Pastrana that uh, he did pretty well with that in his run. Um, you know, I guess I have to say that the disappointment for me probably was, uh, legacy motor club this past weekend, because they were running really well. They had Eric Jones looking at top 10. I think he got as high as ninth a couple of times. Then the big wreck took him out. And then you had, um, Noah Gregson, Noah Gregson. He at least finished 24th in this race, but he got some big sponsorship this time around from, uh, Wendy's. And Wendy's was even using the social media circuit this past weekend in Daytona and taking their swipes at the Golden Arches on some things about, I don't know if it had anything to do with, you know, driver or anything, but especially about menus and things like that. And wasn't he, wasn't he cute? Did you see his little outfit that uh, Noah Gregson wore? <laughs> yeah, had yeah. his little hat, the old Wendy's hat, anybody that worked there, they used to have the dark navy blue hat and the stripes at one time or another. But, uh, you know, he kind of had an impression. He made a, a little bit of an impression. But, again, Jimmy Johnson, um, I wouldn't say it's a disappointment for him because he was running really well there before he got taken out by that accident there at the end of it. But going down through here, we're looking at some of the ones that finished. Um, I was really disappointed with Chase Elliott. Uh, I just thought Chase Elliott at one point 
was kind of hanging close there to, you know, being close to the front, trying to make a run for it. And then it didn't end up working out for him. Tyler Reddick about the same thing. Uh, the first car that went out, Spire Motorsports, Ty Dillon, he went out, finished in 40th. He started 37th, not much of a good run for him, but, um, anybody else that I look at in here, um, wow. AJ Allmendinger. Uh, you know, Almendinger just about rung up a, another win right there. If it hadn't been for the melee that happened, uh, right there toward the final laps, Almendinger could have won on a super speedway. And that would have been a big plus for him. Uh, and then Christopher bell, he had a good run, especially out of the, uh, Toyota teams out of Joe Gibbs. He actually placed pretty well, uh, also, so got to give some credits where they're due and so forth. A lot of these guys hung in there close. Uh, made it top 20, which is always a good, um, a good start for them, especially at Daytona. And, you know, looking at the, uh, the point standings, I was going to look at that real quick and uh, see how everything was standing. Um, I think right now, Joey Logano, I believe might be in first, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I was looking at that and then you've got the rest of the drivers down through there. Uh, but Joey Logano, definitely, he was disappointed on Sunday afternoon, especially after that race, because he thought he had that race one. He thought he was uh, in front, at least at the time that the caution light came out, but it was not to be with uh, Ricky Stenhouse beating him by, I think, five inches is what they ended up saying and what he ended up beating him by. So, you know, hey, big difference right there. Joey, uh, Joey was sporting a little bit of uh, more fur on top of his head, too, and I don't mean that badly. I mean, I just kind of looked and. I've seen Joey with kind of a little bit of a problem here over the last couple of years. I'm not making fun of him with it, but uh, uh, I think they diagnosed him in the, over the off season or something with alopecia, but I saw him there and there he was wearing something on his head. I'm like, okay, that's good. It's not moving. So everything's okay about it. So he was, he was okay. But, you know, I think him and um, him and Denny Hamlin had some exchange some pleasantries out there on the, on the track, they hit each other. And I think, uh, they got into a one finger duel several times as they were trying to pass each other around through there. So, you know, that the, the head condition there, that, that's why they made hats. That's why God made hats. Uh, I've got plenty of hats. Uh, if I'm, if I'm right. out there with my, with my bald head, it's, it's just because I forgot to wear a hat. So there's no problem with that. Well, um, you know, I just, I, I agree with you and stuff. I mean, I haven't, I mean, knock on wood, I haven't lost any. I've got a little bit of receding one, but you know, my dad was bald. I mean, you know, he we heard all the jokes in the world. You go out in the middle of the night, you go to a football game and somebody start yelling out loud, cover that head up. I'm gonna get moonburn up here in the stands and stuff. And my dad was just like he just played along with it and wasn't a big deal to him. It was, you know, if I don't have any hair, I don't have any hair, just gotta keep it uh, insulated in the wintertime. That's what I've got to do. So yeah, that's right. That's right. Hey, so uh, NASCAR moves out west this week uh, for the next three weeks, actually. Yeah. Uh, starting in, in California this weekend. Any thoughts about the race coming up this Sunday? Um, see, I think you'll see a lot of hungry teams again. I think you've got a lot of teams that's got some momentum here that uh, probably are going to show up and and do well. It, the question is going to be is what kind of conditions the track going to be in? Uh, I'm kind of wondering how the track is going to be. I know they've had issues before with the track and how it, it seems like it, you know, comes in for them. It kind of goes away real quick. Uh, sometimes there's been some, I guess, some way of um, they've done the paving or the way it's been done before that it's not been even that it's more like a, a jump when you go up on the track and so forth, instead of being a smooth kind of transition to coming up on the track. Um, these guys are probably looking forward to, 
to some of them, at least an end to this auto club speedway. Uh, I think they're wanting some short track races and they're definitely going to get it when they have this new short track race ready by 2024. I think when they get everything set. So after this race is done, boom, it's starting to come down. They'll start tearing it down much like what they did with Phoenix and they'll retool it and kind of come up with a new way, a new groove for it. So we'll, we'll be anxious to see that. I just think that right now, uh, Stenhouse, you know, you got to favor him and stuff on this super speedway or at least two and a half mile track, but I wouldn't count out Kevin Harvick. I think Kevin Harvick would like to have a good showing to his California fans and especially back home before he finally leaves the circuit. And, uh, he might be in contention. He was definitely looking good yesterday before finishing 12th. So I think Harvick would probably be one of those in there, but don't count out Christopher Bell either. Christopher Bell had a great race also. And if they can keep that momentum going, I think right there of the Chevrolets, the Fords and the Toyotas, I think those are your front runners possibility of winners for next week at, uh, or this coming week at auto club. Ricky Stenhouse, the big winner at the Daytona 500. Great insight and analysis from Rod Mullins. Thanks as always Rod for your time. Appreciate it, Chris. Thanks.